We're on air in three, two, one. Today is December 25th, 1863, and we're in Cambridge, Massachusetts to talk with Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the American poet famous for writing such poems as Paul Revere's Ride, Evangeline, and The Psalm of Life. Welcome, Mr. Longfellow, and thank you so much for allowing me into your beautiful home and for agreeing to talk with me today, even though it's Christmas. Yes, of course. It is my pleasure. I cannot guarantee we will not be interrupted here, but I am happy to have you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, First, can you tell me a bit about how you got started writing poetry? It seems I have been writing poetry from my very earliest memories. When I was 13 years old, I ventured to send in my first poem to the Gazette. It was a very patriotic poem called The Battle of Lovell's Pond. (laughs) I didn't tell anyone what I was doing in case it was rejected, or worse, laughed at. I didn't even have the courage to sign it with my full name. (laughs) I recall haunting the post office for days, waiting to see if it would show up in print. When it finally did... I was thrilled. I bet. (laughs) But my joy was short-lived. The next day I was at the home of one of my friends whose father suddenly asked all gathered if we had read the new poem in the Gazette and wasn't it horrible? Oh no. (laughs) I wanted to disappear. I was so ashamed. It's a wonder I ever wrote another poem. (laughs) Why did you keep writing then? I simply had to. I have always had a great passion for writing and determined from a very young age that I was destined to become a writer. I could not see myself doing anything else. And what did your parents think of that plan? My father wanted me to study law or become a doctor, but I assured him that there are quite enough doctors in the world without me. And how did your mother feel about it? Oh, my mother has always been very supportive. Her only advice was to avoid poems that excite the imagination only. Not that there is anything wrong with poetry simply for entertainment, but what is the point of true art if not to share truth and to uplift? Well, people say the purpose of art is to be a mirror of life. True, but it is also meant to shape it, to make life better than it was before the art existed. So... What would you say to someone in the future who might say your poems are too tidy and too hopeful? Too hopeful? (laughs) Why would that be a problem? Well, some people say that so much hope and positivity isn't realistic. Uh, They think that, to be truly honest, art should be gritty and, well, dark. Why should ending my poem with hope mean that the pain at the beginning was any less real? There is plenty of darkness and pain in the world already. What we need is the antidote to the suffering. What do you mean? When I was recovering from a deep depression after the sudden death of my first wife, Mary, I wrote a poem called The Psalm of Life. It was a voice from my innermost heart, and it took quite some time for me to get up the courage to publish it. But when I did, the response was overwhelming. How so? I wrote the poem to give my own heart courage and hope. But I heard from people who were profoundly touched by it. One young man wrote me and said it had stopped him from taking his own life. That is why I choose to focus on the hopeful 
and the beautiful. I've definitely had some times where my most painful experiences have helped me to strengthen others. It's hard to say I'm grateful for the pain, but I guess I am in a way because I'm grateful that it put me in a position to comfort and help those I love. Always give what you have, no matter how small or difficult it is to share. To someone, it may mean more than you dare to think. That's a great reminder. I am so sorry about your wife, though. Did you and Mary have any children before she died? No. She was expecting our first child when she and the baby died. Oh, I'm so sorry. All my children are with my second wife. Your second wife's name is Fanny, is that right? Fanny Appleton. She never came into a room without my heart beating quicker, and she never left without my heart feeling that the light went with her. I was very much in love with her, but she kept me waiting seven long years. <laughs> when she finally sent me a note that said she would have me, I was so anxious to see her that I immediately walked the five miles to her house in the snow because there was no coach. Wow, that's love. <laughs> yes, it is strange how after waiting for so many years, I suddenly could not wait one more second to be with her. <laughs> I love it. And how long have you and Fanny been married now? Uh, two summers ago, Fanny was using sealing wax when her dress caught fire. I tried to put it out as quickly as I could, but it just... It burned so quickly. She died the next day. The day she was buried was our 18th wedding anniversary. Oh my goodness, I... I didn't know. I don't even know what to say. How on earth do you stand it? I do not always bear it very well. There are times when all in my mind is very dark and dreary. What do you do then? I simply keep going. You cannot stop difficulties from coming any more than you can stop the raindrops falling in a storm. When it rains, the best thing to do is simply to let it rain continue as best you can. But how did you find that strength to even continue? One day, soon after her death, I found myself outside at sunset, and I simply started walking. I walked and walked without giving any thought as to where I was going. I returned hours later, exhausted, but with a little bit more peace than when I began. I have walked each evening since. Sometimes numb and sometimes with tears coursing down my cheeks and despair in my heart. But each day I walk, no matter how difficult it is to get myself out that door. And what about your writing? Does that help keep you going as well? Since Fanny left me, I have not had the heart to write. My life crumbled away like sand. And do what I may, I cannot seem to rebuild it. But I try to be patient. Although on many days the burden of grief seems too much for me to bear. Papa, Papa, look what I did. <clears throat> what is it, Anna? It's a picture of the angels. I drew it for Mama. Do you think she'll see it in heaven? Yes, I'm sure she will.
Now, run along. I am talking to this lady, but I'll be with you soon, and we'll prepare for our Christmas feast. All right, Papa, but hurry. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> She's so cute. You have six children, right? Yes. And how are they doing? My children are a comfort to me. They need me, which helps give me the courage to keep going. I'm sure they are. But I heard your son, who is in the army, was recently wounded. Is that right? I received a telegram just the other week saying he had been severely wounded. So I took a train to Washington, found him, and brought him home. He was shot with a musket ball through the shoulder and back. The doctor says Charles might never walk again, but but I am hopeful he will make a full recovery still. Hope? How do you hold on to hope after everything you've been through? This very morning, I felt overwhelmed with despair and heartache. The holidays are a difficult time for me. My children came in to wish me a Merry Christmas, but I thought with bitterness that it will never again be merry for me. The loss of my dear wives, the despair caused by this bitter civil war, and the anxiety over my son, it all weighed heavy on my spirit. I wished, I wished that the darkness would end once and for all. I wished, I wished that I could close my eyes and never wake up. I'm so sorry. Do you know what it is to feel this way? Yes. Then I'm sorry for you, too. So, this morning, what did you do? I sat at my desk for some time, struggling to do anything. But then I heard, upon the crisp morning air, a sound of bells. Bells? Yes, the church bells ringing out on Christmas morning. They sang out, clear and deep, and the sound seemed to reverberate through my very soul. Something reawakened inside of me, and the words began to flow. You were able to write again. Yes. Before I knew it, I had a finished poem. And my hope, my hope had been rekindled. What, what a beautiful experience. I still do not know why my wives had to be taken from me. Why this cursed Hate-filled war is allowed to continue. Or why my son was so cruelly injured. But those bells reminded me of what I do know. Which is? That God is real. And he will eventually turn all my sorrow and pain to joy. You sound so sure. How do you know? That's what hope is. Hope is not a magic wish, and it's not believing in a specific outcome or miracle. Hope is choosing to believe in the light to come. 
even when all around you is darkness. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Is that what you mean? Do you like photographs? I'm very fond of photographs. Um, yes. Yes, I, I like photographs. Did you ever examine what the photographers call a negative? Uh, I've seen them, yes. Have you observed that on a negative, all that will be light once the photograph is printed appears dark? Yes, they look kind of opposite to how they will turn out. This world and all of the heartache we experience in it is only the negative of the world to come. And the parts of our lives that seem the darkest here will be turned into light there. Mr. Longfellow, if you could give one piece of advice to others who are struggling with their own heartache, what would that be? Do not be disheartened. You have much work still to do. Do not give up. Let us never stop trying. All that is now dark will one day be made light. I can't thank you enough for talking with me today. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and feelings with me. I know it could not have been easy. But I wonder if before we go, I could ask you one last thing? <laughs> yes, of course. Would you mind reading your new poem to us? The one I wrote this morning? Yes, if you wouldn't mind. <clears throat> I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old, familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. <laughs>